Welcome to Pushing Up Lilies. I'm your host, Julie Matson. Pushing Up Lilies is a weekly true crime podcast with spine-tingling, unusual, and terrifyingly true stories from my perspective as a forensic death investigator and a sexual assault nurse examiner. Do I have some stories for you? Are you ready? In continuing for the month of October, I just remember all the good times that I had with all my high school friends when we were younger and the rituals that we carried out during the holidays that were passed on to us by our parents or whatever. I'm not even sure where. Of course, trick-or-treating is a lot of people's favorite thing to do. Carving pumpkins is always fun. I can remember years ago, I took my daughter to Disney World during Halloween, and I was just amazed at how well, I guess, that they celebrated the holiday and all the different pumpkins and all the different carving contests and all the amazing things that we saw that when we were there during Halloween. Also, haunted houses. I know we've talked about this before, and they're always so much fun. And here in Texas, there's a lot of really good ones. Sometimes there are more than one story. It's just amazing how scary they can make them. Also, just scary stories in general and all the spooky costumes. And it's always so much fun. And Halloween, everyone loves to decorate for it. Spiders and pumpkins and all the purple and orange lights. And I just love how we have fun with it. I can remember back when I was younger, I always wanted a Ouija board. And I can remember many times asking my parents for one. And I'm sure they couldn't really understand why I wanted one. And I didn't know what it was, to be honest. I just knew that it was mysterious and it was a game. And I wasn't quite sure really what I was asking for. But I did get one. And as I got older, I realized that it had to do with spiritualism and believing that the dead could actually communicate with the living. And so I remember one night when I was with my friends and we were in a spare room of our house in the little town of Valley View, Texas, shout out to my hometown, we were playing my Ouija board that I'd gotten for Christmas. And of course, it spelled out something. I can't even remember what it was. But during this time, we were all a little bit spooked and it was new and it was mysterious. And we looked up and there was literally someone looking in the window and it freaked us out and we screamed and it could have been completely our imagination, but we had so much fun with it. And I remember that game just being the highlight of many of our sleepovers. The Ouija board actually lacked a name in the beginning. And so the founders, I guess one of who was Charles Kennard, and he was from Baltimore, Maryland, and the game itself lacked a name. So they were sitting around the table and they asked the board what to call it. And the board spelled out Ouija. O-U-I-J-A. And when asked what it meant, the board spelled out good luck. So it was a spade or a teardrop shaped handpiece with a magnified clear opening. And then apparently when you asked it a question, 
it would move your hands certain directions and spell out words which answered the question that you asked. So I don't know how many people had those, but they were always so much fun. Thinking about Halloween just kind of reminded me of that because it's always been a fun game and one that I always enjoyed as a child. But I was thinking again about rituals and I thought to myself all the times that all my high school girlfriends and I would go to one of our friend's grandmother's house. And one thing that she would always let us do, and it wasn't always Halloween, but it is a ritual during the Halloween festivities, is to toilet paper houses. Also, egg people's cars and egg people's houses. Now, we didn't actually egg people's cars and houses, but I know many people did. But I know that my friend's grandmother lived downtown and she loved to see us have fun and she loved to allow her granddaughters to have us over and we would spend the night and she would take us to the store and we would buy toilet paper and we would wreak havoc on the whole neighborhood and throw toilet paper in their trees and in their bushes and just decorate their front yards I know now that I'm older that when it rains and your house has been toilet papered, it's pretty much devastating. It's terrible. I know I've had a big tree in my front yard before, and when it was toilet papered, it was great until it rained. (laughs) So it's almost a piece of art nowadays. It's funny because I was talking to my husband and just asking him, are there any cool rituals or any things that you did when you were growing up? that made you look forward to Halloween or made it the greatest holiday ever. And he had told me growing up in North Dakota that gate night was the night before Halloween. So the evening of the 30th, and that was always a lot of fun for them. So I asked him what they did. And he said that they basically had fun and would actually cause mischief and play pranks on all the neighbors. So some of the things that they would do and that a lot of people did back when I was younger, I don't know if it happens that much now, but would put soap on the car windows of their neighbor's vehicles and tear the clothes off the clotheslines just to upset them and knock on the doors and then run, which we did a lot growing up just because Honestly, in a small town, there's not a whole lot to do. So in looking into it, a lot of different areas of the U.S. call this night before Halloween many different things. In some areas, they call it cabbage night, and that's because they actually fling rotten cabbages against houses. Now, I can't imagine that being fun because I know... Anything rotten does not smell good. And so actually collecting rotten cabbages to throw at people's houses does not sound like fun to me. But in some areas of the world, that is something that they do on the evening of October 30th. It's also called Devil's Night and Mischief Night in many areas of the world. And some things that they would also do is maybe smash pumpkins and even go as far as to unlock the gates of the land that someone owned to allow the livestock to escape. 
which to me is not really funny because I know livestock's expensive. Having been someone who's struck a cow in a vehicle before, that's definitely no fun. So I don't really find that funny, but it's considered a prank in many, many areas. And I was reading about how back in 1984, and that was only two short years before I graduated high school, that in the Detroit area, there were over 800 fires in the three days before Halloween. And so it seems as if this has been a ritual everywhere for years. But a couple years after that, in 1986, they actually imposed a curfew on kids under 18. In the late 80s, volunteers were actually enlisted to kind of help kids or teenagers or whoever from starting fires. So they were enlisted to try to help prevent the fires. And so the night before Halloween quickly became Angel's Night, and that's due to the number of volunteers that they actually had to try to prevent all these fires from occurring. But I can remember that years ago, there was always big talk about egging people's houses and egging people's cars. And that's just another way that havoc was wreaked on Halloween evening or even the evening before. But in 1998, Carl Jackson, who was only 21 years old, was a data clerk entry, and his girlfriend and him were actually on their way to pick up his girlfriend's nine-year-old son from a party. Someone threw an egg at their car. Now, growing up, my dad used to always tell me that eggs could strip the paint off your vehicle. So if you ever got egg on your car, you need to go wash it immediately. So that was something that I grew up believing, whether it's true or not, I still don't know to this day, but eggs are slimy and eggs are gross and make you feel dirty. And nonetheless, Carl Jackson at the time got out of his car and began yelling at the kids who threw eggs at his vehicle. And one of the teenagers actually shot Carl in the head. So the kid who shot Carl was a Curtis Sterling. He was only 17. When he shot Carl, Carl had already sat back down in the passenger seat of the vehicle. He shot him while he was still in the car. The girlfriend was not injured, but Curtis Sterling was actually charged with second-degree murder and criminal possession of a weapon. And he served 20 years in Ulster County State Prison. Apparently, violence erupts frequently because of eggings on Halloween. And in New York, since 1984, there have been 24 homicide victims related to eggings. And this is because when you go to the store to buy eggs, of course, you don't have to have an ID. It's not a big deal. It's not like other items that they are now requiring identification for before you could purchase. You don't have to be a certain age, obviously, to buy eggs. They are super cheap. They are very small. They're easily concealed. They can be kept in your pocket. You can sneak up on somebody and throw it at them, and they will not know what's coming. Some stores in certain areas actually don't sell eggs or shaving cream or items that 
kids or teenagers can use to wreak havoc on their neighbors to minors during that week of Halloween, which is really pretty smart when you think about it. It's not something that normally would cause a problem. You wouldn't normally question a teenager who goes into the grocery store and buys a carton of eggs, but around Halloween, it tends to look a little bit suspicious. So going over some more Halloween homicides, which we are doing for the month of October, I ran across a story about uh, Liddell Peoples. This happened in Halloween of 2011 on the south side of Chicago. Liddell was 55 years old, and after Halloween festivities, he believed that his girlfriend was stealing or had stolen some of his Halloween candy. So he became super angry about this. So some people are serious about their Tootsie Rolls, y'all. So Liddell actually blamed his girlfriend, and his girlfriend was Maria Adams. She was a 49-year-old. Maria was actually, I guess, trying to defend herself, and she threw a plate at Peoples and actually cut above one of his eyes. And that upset him quite a bit. And so he grabbed a knife and actually stabbed her multiple times. He was charged with first-degree murder. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison in the Cook Prison in Illinois. And his projected release date is October 5th of 2041. So some people take their Halloween candy super seriously. I also noted a story about... Peter Fabiano. Now, this happened in 1957. He was 35 years old. He was a hairdresser, and he and his wife, Betty, actually owned a couple of salons. This was the night of Halloween on October 31st of 1957. Fabiano answered the door for a trick-or-treater. So it was around 11 o'clock at night. He was already in bed. They had already planned on going to sleep. All the lights were turned out in their house and the doorbell rang. So Peter had candy left and we all know that usually when someone turns the lights off in their house on Halloween, it means either they're not home or they've gone to bed or they're out of candy. Nonetheless, the Fabiano's doorbell rang at around 11 p.m. And so Peter answered it. When he opened the door, He was actually shot in the chest. Now, the story behind this is that his wife, Betty, had actually left him for another woman named Joan Rabel. They were together for a short time, and then she decided she missed her husband a little bit, and she actually returned home. But Joan was a little bit jealous of that, so she actually conspired with another friend of hers, Goldine Pizer, to murder Peter Fabiano. Rabel actually talked Pizer into murdering him. She basically told him that Fabiano was not nice to Betty, that he was abusive, talked her into thinking that this was the right thing to do, and it was basically, in the long run, save Betty's life. Rabel actually talked Pizer into murdering Fabiano. There was a weapon inside the brown paper sack that Pizer carried when she was at the door ringing the doorbell. And of course, it looked like a bag of candy. What had happened is the two women were actually 
waiting outside in their vehicle for him to turn the lights off at the house. That's when Pizer actually went up to the door and rang the doorbell. So whenever he came to the door, Pizer had on face paint and a mask and gloves and all the things that someone would have on normally on Halloween. However, when he answered the door, she raised her arms and had a weapon inside the paper sack that she was carrying and she shot him in the chest. So Joan Rabel was actually from Pennsylvania and she was a writer and a photographer in 57, back in 1957. She had gone to one of Peter Fabiano's salons and she was looking for a job and that's where she met Betty. Betty was also a hairdresser. She worked there with Peter. Her and Peter owned a couple of different salons in the area. And that's how Betty and Joan Rabel actually became friends. Now, Pizer was a medical secretary and she was divorced and she also became friends with Joan and they would spend their time drinking coffee and gossiping and talking about other people. And so they became super fast friends. But Pizer had bought a 38 and they borrowed a car. And then after Pizer shot Fabiano, she actually later hid the weapon in a storage container at a nearby store. The two of them actually burned the clothes that they were wearing. And at the time, and of course, remember, this was in 1957, the court believed that homosexuality made them unfit to stand trial. Now, they both originally pled not guilty, but they changed their plea later. And Pizer pled insanity, and she claimed that she was easily influenced and that Rabel had told her that Betty was being abused, and she felt like she was doing what was best for Betty based on what Rabel had told her. And so she didn't really feel like she was to blame, even though she was actually the one that pulled the trigger. Now, Pizer was released and actually died in 1998 at the age of 83. There's not a lot of information about what happened to Rabel, but Betty Fabiano actually ended up selling both the salons that her and Peter owned together, and she passed away in 1999. There was a little bit of talk about the possibility of her having something to do with it, but for some reason, I just don't think it's possible because I feel like the other two women would have definitely ratted her out when this case went to court and would have taken her down with them if she had anything to do with it. Despite all the bad things that can happen during the Halloween season or any time of year, even if you don't personally celebrate it, you can still appreciate the creativity when you go around to all the different neighborhoods and Look at the decorations. It's so fun to drive around and see what kind of ideas people have come up with. There are so many different festivals all around the world. I love to see all the different celebrations. There's also so many good movies that are released during this time of year. I'm a huge horror movie fan. And I can tell you growing up, my dad, who recently passed away, 
was my horror movie buddy. So it's very rare (laughs) that you could call your dad at 11 o'clock at night and say, hey, you want to go see Cabin Fever? You want to go see a scary movie? And for him to say, yeah, let's do it. You know, which theater, what time, where should I meet you? And so we would go and literally eat our weight in popcorn. I love watching scary movies, trying to guess what's about to happen. And just, I love being scared. (laughs) So my granddaughter is the same way. And I'm so super excited. I asked her the other day if she wanted to be my new scary movie buddy. And she said yes. And so I can't wait until she gets older and she'll actually go to the movies with me and watch these movies. So I know most of them are super predictable. Of course, everyone always falls running from the bad guy. And it doesn't matter really how corny they are or how terribly written I think they are. I still always want to see them. And in my mind, I'm not really a critic. I basically feel like if they entertain me for any given period of time, I am happy that it only costs me fifteen, twenty dollars to be entertained. And we know that bad things happen all year round, not only during Halloween. I just find that it's super interesting to see the different things that have occurred during this time of year. And we all get spooked and we all get scared. For the most part, it is really relatively safe for everyone. There is not a lot of poisoned candy. There's not a lot of razor blades in candy like we always used to worry about when I was younger. There were always rumors about all that happening. It really happens super rarely. So I love to see all the kids dressed up and walking around and having a good time. I know that my grandbaby is so looking forward to Halloween this year and She wants to be a witch, Rapunzel, and a skeleton. So I think they're going to celebrate three different days, and every day she gets to be something different. And it's just a chance for the kids to have fun, dress up, and get candy, which is delicious, and a terrible time of year to try to be on a diet. But it's so much fun for the kids. So I love that everyone gets to celebrate it. So even if you're an adult, Put on your favorite costume and go to that party and have a good time. Celebrate with your friends. Thank you so much for joining me today on Pushing Up Lilies. If you like this podcast and would like to share with others, please do me a quick favor and leave a review on Apple Podcast. This helps to make the podcast more visible to the public. Thanks again for spending your time with me. And be sure to visit me at pushinguplilies.com for merchandise and past episodes.